Welcome to The Institute, a podcast on the lives and work of fellows and friends of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, I speak with Assistant Professor of Sociology, Alexandria Ravenel. In our conversation, Professor Ravenel discusses her latest book, Hustle and Gig, Struggling and Surviving in the Sharing Economy. We also discuss strategies to reduce the precarity of gig workers, especially during the global pandemic. So are you teaching this semester? I am, yes. Um, Can you talk about what, what are you teaching this semester? Uh, so I am in sociology, but I'm also affiliated with the Shuford Center for Entrepreneurship. Okay. And I am teaching a labor force class, which is in sociology and in management and society. And then I'm also teaching a pilot section of a class that we're calling Fieldwork in Entrepreneurship. And that's my class affiliated with the Shuford program. And that class actually is about students sort of using sociological methods to help them study an entrepreneurial idea and the feasibility of a service or product. And okay. it's a very hands-on class with students doing focus groups and interviews and surveys. Now, what's an example of a, a sociological approach you could uh, um, apply to uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor? Yeah, good question. So students, so one product, for instance, that my students are studying right now is the feasibility of a sort of furniture bank service so that students could, when they move to campus, go and rent furniture. And then when they're done, they bring it back to the bank and they don't have to worry about storing it over the summer. They don't have to worry about bringing it back home to wherever they're family lives wherever they are when they're not on campus. And so they have actually been doing interviews with college students, very in-depth qualitative interviews to find out how interested people would be with this type of product. Uh, what are some of their concerns? So for instance, are they worried about bed bugs? Are they looking for comfy chairs, but they don't necessarily need couches? Um, uh, but with the uh, COVID-19, of course, everything has changed a little bit. Right. So now I have actually a number of students who have uh, left their group project behind and are actually doing independent projects looking at the impact of COVID-19 on various groups. So uh, students are studying the impact on graduating seniors, or on individuals who had part-time jobs on campus and how they're handling things. And so they're getting a chance to really be learning kind of on the ground and uh, in a rapidly changing situation, really forcing them to think quickly on their feet, which is a pretty good skill for people who are interested in entrepreneurship. Right, yeah. Is there anything that they're reporting back on these new research projects that they're working on that, that have been surprising to them or to you? So uh, right now, I don't have an answer to that question because oh, their first reflection, well, so their reflection assignments where they're starting to come up with themes are actually going to be due on uh, Monday, oh, and okay. that will give me a better idea of what exactly um, they're finding. So it, I think it's going to be interesting because there's just so much going on with this right now. 
Right, yeah. Uh, so this is your first year at U, uh, at UNC, correct? This is my first year and my first um, semester on oh, wow. campus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was on family leave for my first semester. And um, yeah, first semester now in the classroom, which of course is now half remote. Wow. Okay. So, well, welcome. Welcome to Chapel Hill. <laughs> as as you can tell, this is not normal, <laughs> what normally happens. I wanted to, you to just mention a little bit, in general, what is it within sociology you study and your approaches, and what uh, also what interested you in this field in the first place? So, in sociology, I study gig workers, workers who get their income from platforms that are typically internet-based uh, project platforms like Uber, TaskRabbit, Rover, which is a dog walking service, and how workers encounter risks in their day-to-day -day lives, and how workers handle this sort of new form of employment, which in many ways is both new and a movement forward to the past. So mm -hmm. it's brand new for workers to be getting work via their smartphones, through these platform inter intermediaries. But at the same time, these workers are typically categorized as independent contractors. They are outside the social safety net. They do not qualify for unemployment, for workers' comp. They do not receive any type of paid time off. And so in many ways, they're sort of a movement forward to the past, returning to the type of work that many people were involved in the late 1800s and early 1900s as part of the early industrial age. Mm -hmm. And so I often compare uh, workers on these platforms sort of being like a scene out of the jungle where the workers are kind of clamoring for work because of stagnant salaries, because they have student loan debt or they're still underwater on mortgages or they've experienced a job loss or some type of uh, major expense. And yet the workers are incredibly vulnerable when they are on these platforms. So my first book, uh, mm -hmm. first hopefully of many, uh, is Hustle and Gig, uh, Struggling and Surviving in the Sharing Economy. And in Hustle and Gig, I talk about how these workers are exposed to uh, criminally questionable behavior, sexually uncomfortable situations, the risk of workplace injury, and how they are incredibly vulnerable as they are doing this work. Yeah, and I, as, I, as we can see, and, and I'm sure people have realized this vulnerability has just been highlighted is not the proper word for it. But with the uh, current pandemic, a lot of these gigs have just been eliminated. Oh, you're exactly right. So some of this work has absolutely been eliminated. Um, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, individuals who do in-home cleaning have seen that a lot of their work has disappeared. So individuals uh, have essentially gone from being minimally employed to completely unemployed. And right. in many cases, they don't qualify for unemployment. Now, under the Pandemic Assistance Act, uh, they should receive unemployment, but it's going to be dependent on states opting in to providing them that unemployment and also having systems in place where they can find out how much people were making before, which of course affects how much they get in unemployment. Right. Um, and at 
the same time, this pandemic has also really, um, really sort of showcased the inequality because we also see some workers who are deemed essential workers, those who do errand running on TaskRabbit or those who mm -hmm. do grocery shopping and delivery through Instacart and Shipt, and they are very much being demanded to go to work and they're, very, they're being exposed to a high level of risk because now they are the ones that are going into the grocery stores. They are the ones that are interacting um, with numerous clients and they're not being provided any PPE because again, they are independent contractors and the companies don't feel that they have a responsibility to these workers. Yeah, that, that's what's pretty surprising. And then, as you were saying, even if they were to happen to live in the right state or uh, be fortunate enough to be in the state that they could opt into unemployment, then even there, I guess it would be difficult to gauge your wages because it's probably uneven what you would make month to month if you're solely doing these type of this type of work, correct? Exactly. So um, one of the issues that's arising is that uh, states reach out to employers and have employers confirm how much people were making. Okay. And many platforms like Uber have very much dragged their feet on confirming this type of information. So even if somebody does qualify for unemployment, it can take often weeks or even a month or more for them to actually start to kind of be in the system and start getting money. And for many of these workers who are very much uh, lower income, waiting a month, waiting a couple of weeks for money is really not very feasible for them. And so right. this is just increasing their precarity and vulnerability. And for a lot of these apps, the, the folks that use it to make money, they're not entirely considered employees of that company, correct? Right. They are not considered to be employees at all when they're independent contractors. And so that's the other challenge that before this uh, Pandemic Assistance Act, un uh, individuals who are independent contractors did not qualify for unemployment whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so the other challenge is that not all workers um, who do gig work may be aware that there's a possibility that, that they could get unemployment assistance during this time. So we're probably not going to have this these kind of gig apps and things. They're, they're probably going to be around for a little while. What types of systems or infrastructure do you see might help to limit the precarity of, of a, a, someone working through these apps? So one of the solutions I talk about in Hustling Gig is that um, we don't actually need to create new systems for gig workers. We have a system, and it's not perfect, but it works fairly well for most Americans, and that is W-2 employment. Mm. So mo many people are surprised to hear that platforms simply get to decide that workers are independent contractors. And okay. they do um, some acrobatics to make this come across. So they say, oh, we don't really control them. We don't really influence them. We're just a marketplace. We're just a service. Um, but if these workers were categorized as W-2 employees, they would receive unemployment. It wouldn't be something they would have to fight for or hope for literally an act of Congress to make mm -hmm. available to them. They would also qualify for workers' comp. They would qualify for uh, health insurance if they were working at least 30 hours a week. They would qualify to have their expenses of getting um, from one 
job or gig to the next one covered by the platforms. And so what we should do is make W-2 employment virtually universal as okay. opposed to something that companies get to sort of opt into. You mentioned before before we started this interview uh, about this new project called uh, Work in the Time of Corona. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that and what you're, what you're hoping to uh, investigate there? Sure. So gig workers are in many ways canaries in the coal mine in terms of inequality and the experience of risk that workers have in the workplace. And so I am launching a study, I actually just got IRB approval last week, to do interviews uh, conducted remotely with 100 gig workers in New York City who work on dog walking platforms, food delivery platforms, grocery shopping platforms, and personal assistant platforms like TaskRabbit, um, and also driving platforms like Uber and Lyft. And this is going to be a longitudinal study. So I'm doing interviews during the peak uh, outbreak of the epidemic in New York City, which is believed to be this week or next week, to look at how workers are encountering the epidemic, how they are protecting themselves, how this is affecting their understanding of themselves, because now they are classified as essential workers, um, and also how this is affecting their home lives. You know, are they coming home and needing to shower? Are they uh, having nightmares because they are being exposed to the risk of the uh, virus? Or how are they dealing with unemployment if that is um, a, currently a problem for them? And then I'll follow up with these workers um, in the fall, which is when we're expecting a second outbreak of the virus, but hopefully we will be better prepared as a country. And then I'll do a third round of interviews um, hopefully in the spring of 2022, when the virus should be uh, vanquished, if you will, when we hopefully um, all have a vaccine or antibodies, and that will allow me to see what the long-term effects are on the workers. So there's some discussion right now that people might experience trauma from the isolation, from the exposure of risk, from just experiencing the uh, the challenges that are coming with this pandemic. And I want to see what the long-term implications are going to be on workers uh, socially, mentally, physically, emotionally, and of course, economically. Great. Wow, that's fascinating. We ask this of most of our guests. Uh, what's a book that changed your life? Oh, that's an easy one. All right. uh, Nickel and Dimed by Barbara Einreich. I read Nickel and Dimed when I was in, oh gosh, I think the first year of my master's program. Um, I actually have the first edition hardcover. That's oh, how nice. early I bought it. <laughs> um, and I had originally actually been a journalism major as an undergrad, and I was convinced I was going to go out and sort of shed light on inequality in society. And then I read Barbara's book um, when I was uh, in sociology and I realized, oh wait, I can do the same thing in sociology. I can do interview studies. I can really explore what's going on in terms of inequality, in terms of uh, what the implications are for society. And uh, I think that that is very much why 
um, why I'm looking at gig workers today yeah. to sort of see how, um, how this is going to impact all of us going forward. Because we, you know, gig work is often described as sort of like work of the future and also what the implications are for all of us today. Um, because, you know, this is really dividing workers into those who are doing the demanding and those who are working on demand. Alexandria, thank you very much for your time and, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. It's great talking to you. Check back at iah.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.